Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh my God, why didn't they bring back The Price is Right? The Price is Right was brilliant. <laughs> Well, it wouldn't be the Wellbeing Lab without a good old flyover from the plethora of airlines that are flying into Heathrow, I would imagine. Seemed to be particularly busy on a Friday bank holiday, but that was as to be expected. A lot of people want to come and visit London. Okay, this is a good one today, actually. A really, really good one and something I only knew about very recently because I was watching an episode of Real Housewives Road Trip and one of the housewives from New York has this thing called PMDD. And I'm talking to Annika Wahid about PMDD. Well, let's start with her telling me what PMDD actually is. PMDD is a cyclical mood disorder. It stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. In layman's terms, it's an allergic reaction to your hormones when they're fluctuating. So normal people would have, say, a 28-day cycle and, you know, they get a bit of PMS lead up to their period. So they'll be a little bit moody, have a bit of chocolate, hot water bottle, and they're fine. Their period's fine. PNDD is the extreme opposite. So I call it PMS's satanic sibling. It debilitates and takes over your entire life. It hijacks you up until the lead of your period and maybe after you have your period it takes a few days to, for the symptoms to decrease. It's a mood disorder, it's a gynecological disorder and it is a mental health disorder but no one likes to to admit that and by by who I say as in medical professionals because there's just not enough research or support or any resources to be able to determine anything on it other than we live with it and we just got to manage it. Why do you think they don't like admitting it there's not enough research because women's health care is dire and i say that although i work for the nhs right i love the nhs i i would never change a thing about my journey with working for them and we all know with the powers that be with politics the impact that it's had on the nhs but apart from that women's health has always been terrible it's not seen as a priority and women are just generally seen to have to bear the burden and suck it up and carry pain as like martyrs. Uh, and it's just a given thing. And there's a lot of medical misogyny and patriarchy involved in it as well. Because look, we've got things like Viagra on boots on the front, right? But would you ever catch a period pad on the front shop? No, you wouldn't at all. So it's very deep rooted and there's just not enough funding for it. And your first port of call when you having a hormonal challenge would be to see your GP. And if they've not had the formal training to be able to acknowledge the telltale signs and understand HRT to support the function of managing your health in that duration when women make up half of society, that's a very telling sign. Yeah, really telling. I feel like only in the last six months, even when, you know, a few well-known people have been talking about 
HRT or talking about going through the menopause and sort of embracing it yeah. um, within the media. But really, it's pretty shameful, I would say, as a feminist myself. I feel like it's almost seen as like something shameful to talk about or something sort of unsightly. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about periods. We don't talk about... Yeah, it's the patriarchy. It doesn't matter yeah. what your background is. You could be South Asian. You could be from the US. You could be from Europe. It doesn't matter. Who have you ever seen talk openly about their periods? Nobody. And yes, Davina McCall did bring it to the attention of the general public about her challenges with menopause and then she did do that documentary following her journey sharing managing menopause and she did include PMDD in there and it's just one of those things that we're just expected to bear pain and manage pain yeah. silently without having to share our struggles because well that's what women do historically that's what women do when did PMDD first start presenting itself to you in your life? Six years ago. So I also have another endocrine disorder called polycystic ovaries. And as a consequence, I'd always been significantly overweight. And I was working so hard, relentlessly trying to lose weight, going to the gym like five, six times a week. That was the fittest I'd ever been, but I was still about 18 stone. Size and weight doesn't really matter. It was about the quality of my health and my lifestyle. And it wasn't conducive to be carrying that much weight for me so I decided to go for bariatric surgery where they cut like 85% of my stomach it was a complete success but where I lost all the weight and my periods regulated then PMDD surfaced it just hit me like a wrecking ball so I think I always had PMDD but where I didn't have regular periods it just never surfaced oh okay and then I heard you say a bit about PMDD as sort of the satanic twin mm -hmm. of your, your sort of normal hormonal response or, or bodily response mm. and mental response to the chemicals that are being released. So what kind of things does it bring up when you started experience PMDD? So initially I would experience really uncontrollable rage. And it made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. I was hypersensitive. So I could have like a normal conversation with someone and then it would just turn into an argument. And we were like, what even happened? It was very subtle in the beginning. Then each month went by, it went from uncontrollable rage. Then it went to debilitating anxiety and depression. Then it started going on to uncontrollable crying. Then it moved on to panic attacks then it moved on to brain fog and this is all simultaneously this is all happening all of these symptoms at the same time really moody just a shadow of myself so I couldn't recognize myself in that period and then when I had my period it'd be like rainbows and unicorns again it was just a relentless cycle so those were majority of my symptoms but then when it got to the point where I just no longer could manage it it was because I started having intrusive thoughts and intrusive thoughts then led on to suicidal ideations, which I hadn't experienced prior to, but I felt like I was having like a PMDD hangover because you suffer that for two weeks, you come in your period and then you're having to pick up the pieces and recover from the two weeks of intensity of a roller coaster of emotions, all the self-sabotage, all the imposter syndrome, all the apologies you've got to make for not being yourself. And then there, there it is again. So there was only so much I could manage. And then when I did 
start having the ideations and then they intensified onto the lead up of my nervous breakdown. Is it any wonder I had one? Because <laughs> you no, can't... I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Of course you had a nervous breakdown. So it was, yeah, it was very, very intense. That's how my journey really began with um, sharing and talking about PMDD. And when did it get diagnosed? Because I would imagine for a while, I mean, there's nothing worse than experiencing all these things. You know, and as you say, simultaneously, you're starting with anger and then debilitating anxiety, depression, panic attacks, brain fog. You probably didn't even know what was going on. I didn't. I had absolutely no idea. I knew it was hormonal related because some of the signs were there, right? Yeah, I was just like, oh, I just feel like a hormonal teenager. And I just made an association with reverting back to a teenager when you start your period. But at the same time, I knew like the kind of physiological side of the pain because also I used to get a lot of pain when I was ovulating and my body was just tense and like tender and sore. So I knew, I was just like, I know it's that. But I was just resisting it because I refused to believe that PMS or PMDD, which it is correctly, could have that impact on a person because we're not taught in schools. The only thing we're really taught in the curriculum was to how to put a condom on a banana and prevent ourselves from having pregnancy, right? So there wasn't any information like relate to us on our menstrual cycle or the impact that it could have on our mental, physical and emotional health. So it was just something so alien. And I was Googling stuff all the time, as you do. And I actually coincidentally came across via my algorithm on Instagram for my searches where I was looking at hormonal pages to gain as much information as I could, because I'm just the type of person who takes the initiative to do the investigations themselves and truly understand what it is. Well, sometimes you have to because there's no, you're not getting the help from GPs and things like that. The irony of it is I never went to my GP, but I, one of my best friends is a psychiatrist and she's known me since I was 12 years old. We explored personality disorders. I was like, nah, it's not all the time. My dad once accused me for being bipolar. There's nothing wrong with being bipolar, by the way, but bipolar is not. PMDD is a cyclical disorder. So it comes and goes in that respect. So even though I'd still continue doing the investigations and research on it, and I knew there was like guidelines, I started exploring them, but I still resisted because, well, the first port of call for the treatment guidelines is uh, take life a little bit easy, Will. You've got to take life easy, you know. Have a bath. Sniff some lavender, you know, all of that, right? And um, I was like, no shit. That ain't going to help. Yeah. (laughs) And then the next stage was either the pill, the contraceptive pill, or antidepressants. Now, I'd previously tried the pill and it turned me into a demon as well. So that it's synthetic. It didn't suit me and my body entirely rejected it, which is very common as well amongst women. So then it was like antidepressants. And I was like, oh, antidepressant? No, I no, I can't take antidepressants. Like, that's not for me. Like, no, no, no. Because I previously have had periods of um, depression in my life and I managed to like come through it without medicinal intervention. So I was just like, well, if I did it then, why can't I do this again? So my ignorance was basically influenced by society and the taboo and stigma surrounded by taking antidepressants and it deterred me from taking it so I just resisted for at least a year and I tried all the holistic stuff you know CBD lozenges going for a swim like going to the gym all of those things but it just didn't work for me so I think it was only up until when I went to the south of France for a two-week trip to the French Riviera I was so excited but no um 
I started ovulating and uh, PMDD showed up and uh, this time it was like plot twist, let me throw in something different, let me add something different, suicidal ideations. So then my two weeks were absolutely hijacked by that. And that is so, I mean as someone that gets, I get suicidal ideation with my complex PTSD, mm. um, I mean it's scary. Yeah. And I'm quite a sort of, I like life, you know, so it's really scary when those thoughts come in for me. I think, what the hell? Because that was the first time I'd experienced it. So I was trying to distract myself constantly. Um, and I don't know how I held on. No, I'll tell you how I held on. Coincidentally, I just feel like the universe or God has my back because I pulled my lower muscle back. And if anyone's ever done that, then you know you can't walk. <laughs> but you know what? I'm glad that happened because that prevented me from actually jumping into the sea. So I was in pain physically, mentally, emotionally, dealing with the whole ideations, but it actually saved my life. So in Nice Airport, I phoned my sister because my sister also has PMDD. She was like, why are you resisting? Just go. She was like, this should be the happiest time of your life. You need to go get these antidepressants. And I was just like, I was still flirting with the idea. Like I was trying to exhaust every single avenue. So when I did tell my gynecologist and it was actually initially a pleasant surprise because he knew what PMDD was so I was like oh amazing this is great but then I spun him some you know I gave him this monologue about how I'm managing it holistically and I'm doing great and I don't know who the hell I was trying to convince me or him. Was this because of the fear of going on to antidepressants? Yeah I yeah, uh, yeah mostly. Which I can really understand but yeah. But when I did come back from the French Riviera and I had to go get my test results from him he was like you're perfectly healthy everything's great and in working order so I thought that would be a good opportunity for me to express that I have experienced suicidal ideations whilst I was away and that whole speech I gave him was factually incorrect and he just looked at me and he said well that's not for me to deal with that's for primary care to deal with and literally marched me out the door and waved me goodbye and told me he's discharged me because I'm perfectly fine. Blimey okay so that's... It was very yeah. dismissive so I was just yeah. like if a gynaecologist has completely rejected and dismissed my disclosure of something which is so sensitive it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth with wanting to go and get help because I knew it was hormone related. So if it's hormone related, you're going to go to a gynecologist. Your gynecologist yeah. has just rejected you. So that also delayed me then asking for help. Such an invalidation and such a rejection when one's being so open and vulnerable. Yeah. You know, that is completely understandable. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
when did things start sort of getting better? Or, or, or... About two months after that, I went to see my best friend in the Netherlands and she was like, if you need to take these antidepressants, take them. Don't worry about society. Don't care about what people's opinions are. You are really struggling and I don't want to see you struggle. And if this is what you need to do, then this is what you do. And I think I just needed that encouragement for me to feel like it's okay. And I did. As soon as I came back, I went to my GP. And then at the same time, I asked her to refer me to the PMS and menopause clinic in Chelsea and Westminster, the only clinic that is able to diagnose you with PMDD. After much digging, she found it and I left and I was like, fine, it's time for me to start taking antidepressants. And she did say, look, it does get worse before it gets better. A caveat to that is the reason why it gets worse before it gets better is because it blocks your serotonin first and then it rocket launches the serotonin levels in order for you to start taking effect and feeling the effects of having your serotonin normalise. But with PMDD, in your luteal phase, after you've done with ovulation, your serotonin falls. So when your serotonin has then fallen, and then you, on top of that, I'm taking antidepressants to block any existence of serotonin that I had. Oh, gosh. It exacerbated my ideations. Mm, gosh. It got even worse. So then those ideations got to the point of, oh, that car could hit me and I'd feel better. Mm. As it literally exacerbated and accelerated the symptoms the lead up to the nervous breakdown was because of that that's just such ignorance isn't it because clearly you found out what happens to your serotonin levels um yep. you know within your cycle but i mean that's so dangerous what happened they gave you they didn't know that they though. gave you the drug the gp didn't even know no i mean gosh that's but the irony of it is well i only learned about serotonin in the last like two years about serotonin levels falling I didn't even know that at the time no that's the thing it's an ongoing journey of me learning about the condition that's why I'm able to like signpost women when they have dm me I'll be like don't take it during your ovulation take yeah. it as soon as your period comes because your serotonin is dropped already yeah so of course it was gonna like spearhead my nervous breakdown because I was in complete depletion mm. and I wasn't myself I was in a complete state of dysphoria because the despair was there. I no longer was in control of my body and my mind. I didn't know what I was doing. Literally, I didn't recognise myself and I sat in the dark for about maybe over 24 hours in, in my room. My, my family just thought I was just having a minute, but I was actually in dysphoria, hadn't eaten. I wasn't communicating. I wasn't saying anything. I just kept going into these deep, dark depths of despair until I did take an overdose and I threw it up because as I could feel myself like dozing off and it's starting to take effect, I snapped. I was just like, what am I doing? But after that, I did run downstairs to my sister and my brother-in-law and I just burst in their room saying, please don't leave me alone. I've just done this. I don't trust myself to be alone. And they were mortified they just couldn't believe what I just said because I'm I'm known as the strong one in the family so my sister literally held me the whole night until I fell asleep and bless my brother-in-law he fell asleep on the floor next to me it was just a, a, a complete shock no one understood like what what just happened because that's not like me or my nature at all but guess what four hours later I started my period wow literally four hours later so that was the lead up to my period 
and then you felt the dark cloud started to lift slowly and i told my friend who's a psychiatrist i phoned her and i told her what happened and she turned psychiatrist on me not friend on me and she was like i'm not talking to you like your friend now i'm telling you you better call the crisis line this is non-negotiable and i was just like look i have nothing in me to fight so fine i'll call the crisis line i did and i spoke to about four different mental health nurses who were trying to do an assessment on what i was explaining and they would like try and signpost me back to my gp then my gp's like oh no she's been referred to the pms and menopause clinic then they were like okay but have they got psychological support for people like yourself in your position and i was like no that's a clinic for hormones i need like counseling i'm just trying to kill myself like what yeah. what, what do you, you want? need like you need mental support, support. you need the hormonal yeah so support. they were like yeah. we we're not we're not specialized enough to be able to do that for you so I just got left alone in the end. No one helped me. And I just picked myself up and carried on. But I changed my antidepressant to sertraline, which worked. The suicidal ideations and the intrusive thoughts were alleviated, which is a win for me. So that was great. By the time I did get a diagnosis, it was January 2020. And what other things can there... Because I heard you mention at the beginning HRT. Mm -hmm. Is that... So that's the next stage. So I went private this time they found an appointment for me and then I went to have a consultation with one of the doctors and she was so validating she was just like I can tell you're very well versed in the treatment guidelines and you're very self-aware and you've taken all the steps necessary are you ready for the next step of the guidelines and I said yes that's HRT right and she said correct and it literally transformed my life Will I returned to me I became myself again And as each cycle passed, I could feel myself again, like my personality and being present. And people would look at me like my cousins, for example, they'd look at me and be like, I'm getting my cousin back. Taking HRT transformed me and I was able to live a better quality of life because of it. And has this sort of driven you, I mean, hearing your experience Mm. and the difficulty and the, I mean, the trauma of it. Mm. and what you've had to go through and now you've sort of after all those times all those years Mm. you've found something that is now bringing you back has brought you back to yourself again Mm. I'm sure it's not easy still but has this driven you now to want to sort of share and do more to help other people yeah in fairness well I've been doing it from the beginning yeah so sharing my journey I did that from when I had my first nervous breakdown So I've chosen to be transparent and open with my journey. Anyone who's willing to listen, I will tell you about it. Because every person has a sister, a mum, an auntie, a daughter. A friend. Friend that could be experiencing this. Exactly. So it could affect any one of your family members. And then it shouldn't be the responsibility of just women to have to advocate. So... I think a lot of my stories and my resources and my videos, they're very open, they're very candid. I will be sitting this crying and sobbing and I'll film it. If I've got a resting bitch face and I'm being curt, I'll I'll say it. If I've been an absolute raging bitch to someone, I'll be like, my bad. You know, I've, I share it. And when you're in it, can you find kindness and empathy towards yourself or is it very hard to find that when you're... In the moment, I can't find it. Yeah. Well, I can't. I'm, That's I, hard, isn't it? 
when, when you're in it, do you sort of get annoyed at yourself that you're in it or can you distance yourself? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I say I'm sick of my own shit. Which is such a, it, I always say like, when we're feeling such difficult emotions, why do we sort of pour on annoyance and shame at ourselves for feeling the emotions? Do you know what I mean? Because it's bad enough feeling the emotions. You know, like on my way to uni yesterday, I, I was like, I'm late. Oh, I can't be bothered. I don't want to go. Like I was literally like this reverted teenager, like dragging my heels. But I was just like, I need to go. I need to go. And I, I wrestle with the back and forth. And when I was on my way to uni, I was berating myself, like mm. absolutely berating myself. Like, why are you even going in? You're not even going to pass. I'm having imposter syndrome. My whole master's is full of doctors. Mm. I'm the only non-clinical person in there. Yeah. And what, what is the master's in, by the way? It's called a PG cert. It's training to become a lecturer. Yeah. So although I'm already a lecturer, I wanted to do it in clinical context and education where I'm teaching specifically clinicians to be able to get the understanding and the just sharing the resources of understanding how to diagnose, how to identify the symptoms, how to signpost, what are the treatment guidelines, don't gaslight us, validate our emotions, yeah, you know, all yeah. those things. Well, you're going to be, I mean, you've lived it, you're living it, you know, you're doing, which I do say time and time again, it's one of the most wonderful gifts that people could do when, they, when they've gone and go through hardship is to share it. Yeah. with others and I guess that probably leads me on to thinking about sharing does talking and sharing help yeah definitely. yeah so like our conversation today does that help because it always helps me with yeah. with my condition I sort of always I never I very rarely unless someone invalidates me and then that's really harmful mm. very rarely when I hear people sharing their emotional reality and their truth and 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 physical reality as well you know and chemical reality mm. i very rarely come away feeling anything other than more connected more empathetic more loving towards humanity and myself i try to embody that and that's why i felt like it was really important for me to share because it was very cathartic because it was as healing for me as it was for others and mm. I was validating not just my own feelings, but others' feelings as well, who were not particularly inclined to want to share their challenges because it's about being vulnerable. And a lot of people's families aren't accepting of their mental health challenges, let alone something that's affected by their hormones. There's a lot of misconception. Like we know historically, typically society calls women mad. Like, are mm -hmm. you on your period if they're a little bit like moody mm. or whatever? Like, hysterical. You know very stereotypical offensive labels that are associated mm. with being on your period like you're irrational yeah we are irrational because god if you experience what we experience then yeah is it any wonder we're feeling the way that we are but yet we're still expected to manage that and then hold down careers and go to work and be a parent or do everything else that society is expecting us to do at the same time so there's just not enough like compassion for us so no. i display that compassion usually through like majority of it is through instagram yes yeah, so how can people find you because that's why i'd like to sort of finish on that like how can people find you hormones and heartache that's my instagram and if people are struggling everyone dms me yeah and i always reply because i know how lonely it is 
Yeah. So I, if I haven't got the answer, I will find someone who I can point you in the direction of who will, and I will signpost you. And also there's a, an amazing charity called International Association of Premenstrual Disorders, IAPMD. They are the leading organisation globally to be able to support with resources, information, doctors, etc., as a charity who will be able to help anyone with PMDD. It's amazing talking to you. No, likewise. I really applaud your openness, your rawness, your vulnerability uh, and your strength. Thank you. Likewise, like you're giving people like us a platform to be able to do the same. So it's like like for like, like I appreciate and value so much all that you're doing as well, because not many of us have that vulnerability to be so open. So thank you. Thank you so much and I look forward to speaking to you again soon, I hope. But for now, goodbye. Thank you for having me. Love, Annika Waheed. She's one of those people, she's a good talker. You know what I mean? She's open. She's just going to tell you how it is. I think we could have spoken for about seven hours and I would have been happy with that. But the heating is stuck on in my house and I'm in the attic and I'm roasting. And I'm wearing a leather waistcoat, which I know you're enjoying, Amy. I'm going 80s. Have you become the new Malcolm of um, Paul O'Grady's show? R.I.P. Paul O'Grady, by the way. You know, when he would always speak to Malcolm. I think you're my Malcolm. Is that the nicest thing anyone's ever said to you? Um, Do let us know. I think we're going to hear from a lot of people about PMDD. And it was a listener that recommended this topic. So you're coming up with the goods. Thank you. Yeah, let us know what you think. Also follow Annika Waheed and DM her if you've got any... um, you know, questions, because she's very knowledgeable and she obviously likes to help people. And you've been in touch. This is Letter Corner. Uh, Hi, Will. So glad your podcast is back. Just catching up on them now. I love the one on self-worth and confidence. It was a good one, I thought. Uh, Really helping me to let go of my toxic brother, who's being unsupportive and judgmental with my fibromyalgia and CP. TSD, which I think is complex PTSD, uh, and made me feel worse. Uh, think once I realised I was projecting qualities onto him that didn't exist, I saw him accurately instead of the lens of a seven-year-old, learning it's okay to say I don't like my family and they're toxic and not good for me. Well, there's a very good book, by the way, that we're hoping to talk to someone about family, uh, managing families. Um, and this person always says, great episode with Professor Nutt. Always get a nugget of insight in every podcast you do. Best wishes, and I won't say the name, but thank you so much. Um, Will, your voice has always spoken to me. A gentle tone, thoughtful and pacing. Is this my acting agent? And I'm loving both the new series and the old one. I love your range of topics, your curious questioning and open approach. You bring such connection to the conversations, which I find incredibly helpful. Well, thank you very much. Just wanted to get in touch and send my appreciation for your input into what has been a hideous time over the last few years. Thank you. Well, that's. I'm sorry you've had a hideous time. Um, I hope you have picked up little nuggets as well from the various topics that we do. You know, if you just get one thing, then I always think that's... Well, it can be worth its weight in gold. As ever, email hello at wellbeinglabpodcast.com, Twitter at the Wellbeing Lab, Instagram and Facebook at the Wellbeing Lab Podcast. Next week, it's Dr. Joseph Firth, who tells me about the link between exercise and mental health. I liked him. I like all our guests. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating or share it with a friend or leave a review. It does help, actually, because we get a wider audience. And, and that's why I'm doing it, because I ain't doing it for the money. That's why I've got my stripper career. Lots of love. Bye. Did you know the Wellbeing Lab is produced by Audio AF and is part of the Acast Creator Network? It's true. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.